Welcome to the I Dare You podcast by United Against Human Trafficking. I'm your host, Elaine Andino, and we believe that together we can end exploitation. Today, my guest is Krista Mayfield. She is the director of educational programs with Unbound Houston. And we are going to be talking about social media, conspiracies, and trafficking. It's kind of a big subject that I feel like is super relevant to today and what's happening all around us. Um, so I am so excited to have Krista. Krista, thank you so much for being here. Oh, Elaine, thanks for having me. This is so fun. Yeah, it's going to be great. Why don't we start and just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and about the work Unbound does here in Houston? Absolutely. So Unbound is Unbound Houston is a local office of an international anti-human trafficking organization. So we have offices around the country in different parts of the world. Unbound Houston started in the summer of 2013. And we're a ministry of Antioch Community Church. And so we're just birthed out of a place of, hey, God cares about this. And so we do too, um, which was really my journey. And that's kind of how I got into this work. So I started with Unbound in 2015. And it has been a journey ever since, but it has been an honor. Um, never something I thought I would be doing, but man, once you're in it, you've it's hard to shake. Right. I hear you on that one. And tell us a little bit about your role with Unbound. What are you doing with them? Absolutely. So right now, um, my role is director of educational programs. So we at Unbound focus on prevention and awareness, training professionals to identify trafficking, and then we advocate for survivors. So all of, we have a thriving advocacy program with an amazing team of advocates that provide 24 seven crisis response and case management Mm -hmm. to survivors of trafficking. And they are working in Galveston County, Brazoria, Harris, Fort Bend, just really ensuring that the greater Houston area has resources and that our advocates are ready to go. Um, and then the other side of that is all of the educational work that we do. And so that's kind of where I come in. So I'm over all of our educational programs, all of our trainings, um, Youth prevention is, is under me. And then we are also starting a new division of our advocacy program called integrative education, where we're offering workshops and different opportunities for our clients that we're serving Mm -hmm. to get to learn things like money management and budgeting or, um, art or, um, health and nutrition and things like that. So, um, I'm kind of, if it's educational, it's me. So whether that's prevention work, whether that's on the aftercare side, I do all of our speaking engagements and all that fun stuff. Okay. I love that. I didn't realize you guys were launching that part. Yeah. I'm so excited (laughs) to have that exclusive, (laughs) but I mean, we talk so much just in this field that those kind of job readiness trainings are one of the huge areas that's lacking. So for you all to be offering that and a variety, anything from like budget management to art, all of that kind yeah. of stuff. Cause right. Everybody's different. So when they come out on all trafficking survivors want to do the same thing. Right. Right. So to have that resource is huge. Um, so I love that. And you probably don't even know this, but um, I mean, I know, you know, I went to Antioch church way back in college. I think we've talked about that before. So when I lived in DC, a girlfriend of mine, messaged me and she was like, Antioch is starting anti-human trafficking work. And she told me all about Unbound. And I was like, oh man, that's incredible. I wish I lived in Houston and could be a part of that. And so now fast forward, it's like, 
so many years later. And the fact that we get to partner together is just so exciting. And I'm so proud of Unbound and like Antioch and all the work that you guys have done to build Unbound Houston. It's just awesome. So, oh, wow. um, Yeah. So it's great to now be on this podcast together. I love that. I love that. (laughs) And for our listeners, we at UEHT have a coalition, the Houston Rescue and Restore Coalition. And we really provide just a space for all of us to work together in kind of a professionalized manner. Um, you co-chair our education committee with um, our team member, Sarah Jane, who's actually recorded a podcast with us as well, oh, talking awesome. about trauma and trafficking. Yay. Yeah. And so you guys really just wanted to get some good information out about trafficking, the realities of human trafficking. I think we're seeing a lot of myths and misconceptions in the media. Mm. And so y'all put together this beautiful presentation um, for all of us to use on our social media platforms with the hashtag um, trafficking truths. So tell us a little bit about how that idea came about and what the goal was for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I love serving as co-chair for the committee and I love the coalition and it's been such a great space for our movement really just to facilitate the collaboration that we get to see in the Houston area. And so as agencies, we all all of us on this committee provide education of some kind to our community about trafficking. And it was probably the end, maybe towards the end, middle end, end of 2019. And we were looking for some new projects for the upcoming year. And I just kind of had this idea, Hey, you know, we should really address viral myths on social media. Um, you know, Facebook posts that go around that just don't have the most accurate or helpful information. And, well, then cue the pandemic. And so, of course, that project, along with some others, kind of got tabled and we were trying to figure out how do we, how do we do anything <laughs> yeah, in this environment? Yes. Right. Um, so we're navigating all of that situation and trying to get ourselves in order. And then all of a sudden the summer comes around and it, the internet explodes mm-hmm. with a ton of people all of a sudden really passionate about human trafficking. Right. And with all of these stories and these Facebook posts, and I've never, I've never in my life seen a message that virally spread across the globe. I mean, it was just, I just felt like you were watching a phenomenon. And so then we were like, okay, I think it might be time for us to like push this project forward. And so our original goal was to do this kind of myth versus truth scenario. Mm -hmm. And there were some other agencies and survivor leaders that were also doing similar things and we wanted to not compete with that. And there's obviously, you know, only so much you can talk about. So what we kind of thought was let's, let's write realistic stories of how we see trafficking take place um, and compare them or just kind of publish those. Um, So instead of doing like a, a compare and contrast thing, we took survivors stories and really just elements of stories that we've collected over the years. So these stories were not representative of one particular person, Mm -hmm. but they're the elements and the facts and kind of just the building blocks of the stories that we have heard over and over in this movement. So these are survivor informed stories Mm -hmm. that are based off of the types of scenarios, the types of situations that we have heard survivors say Mm -hmm. multiple times over that they're involved in that um, led to their exploitation. And so we published a series of those. Um, and the benefit of being a part of a coalition is that we made that 
digital package available mm-hmm. to our coalition so that everybody could share and post and kind of have that built-in content. So the project itself was a collaboration between myself and other members of the education committee. And it really just was a fabulous example of different organizations pulling their talent and their expertise Mm -hmm. to collaborate on a project that was going to benefit everybody. So really proud of the work that got done and just thankful that we had an opportunity to elevate um, again, not one particular person's story, but to elevate this theme and this narrative that says, hey, this is actually what survivors are saying happened to them right. versus the narrative that we were seeing kind of flood our, our social media pages at the time. Yeah. And so let's unpack that a little bit. What are some of those scenarios that you see? Let's just name a few, anything from viral posts to conspiracies and why did it become important to you to address these with this project? Yeah. When we first started this project, we were collecting examples of these viral Facebook posts or Facebook or, you know, media, wherever it was. Um, these stories that were not an accurate representation of what we were hearing from survivors. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I have a, a whole Google doc of links to posts or screenshots of stories. And there were all types of things from the whole zip tying the windshield wiper situation or um, they hide under your car and slash your heels and then drag you underneath. Um, There's a poisoned, a laced hundred dollar bill tied with a red ribbon to your car door and then you touch it and then you're drugged and they kidnap you. And um, what I often see are posts from concerned mothers usually mm-hmm. about an experience they had in a large retail shopping store. Right. Someone was following me. Someone was checking out my kids. Mm-hmm. And so what I see a lot is people connecting a creepy situation mm-hmm. with trafficking. Mm-hmm. So there's no denying that that might have been creepy or scary, right? but there's no proof that that was their intention. Right. And so I see that a lot yes. is concerned people really, you know, saying, Hey, this was an issue. This happened at the store. Watch out, watch your kids. Not a bad message. Right. right. You know, please watch your children. Mm-hmm. Um, right. but it was, but I'm, I'm also seeing this tie to trafficking where that's, it's just not only is it not, it's not founded, mm-hmm. but it's not the most helpful narrative. And so it sounds like a lot of those are kidnapping situations. So why is it not helpful to misconstrue these creepy situations with trafficking? Because when you, when you talk to a survivor of trafficking, when you Mm -hmm. talk to someone who has lived that experience, these are people that were exploited by someone they knew and trusted. These were not people that were snatched off the street. These were not people that were just kind of you know, bopping through life. And then, you know, you know, in an instant things change that these are people that had dreams and lives, you know, lives and goals and also had vulnerabilities and Mm -hmm. had needs. And someone came along, saw those needs, built a friendship or a relationship with them. And then over time drew them into this situation where they felt like they did not have another choice. Right. And so what we see survivors telling us is that it was usually not a kidnapping situation. 
that it was usually someone they knew and trusted and that somewhere along the line, they were complicit in that situation. Mm-hmm. Whether, you know, I said yes to that party. I said yes to that drug. Well, I moved in with them or I, I took that job. And so they look back and they, they see uh, maybe a series of what looks like their own decisions. Mm-hmm. And as the community, we look and see a series of what looks like their own decisions. And so with kidnapping, there is no decision, right? You don't have a part to play in that. You were walking to your car and someone came along with the white van and just grabbed you and, and you're helpless. And so that as a community member, that pulls your heartstrings because we care for the helpless, right? We tend to have less compassion for the, well, you should have known better or mm-hmm. well, maybe if you had just done X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And then as the victim themselves, you have less self-compassion because you're looking at that situation and going, I should have done X, Y, and Z. Meanwhile, your abuser and trafficker is also saying, well, this is your fault. You don't have to be if you don't want to. And so as a community, we're kind of blocking ourselves off from the truth Mm -hmm. that most survivors are telling us, hey, this was a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. This wasn't just a kidnapping situation. But we're also, as a community, dulling our, our sensitivity to those that are caught up in those exploitive situations where yes, maybe you did make a decision that, you know, pushed you or or helped get you into this place. But what we're missing is that there was an abuser behind it with that decision on a silver platter, right? Serving that to you Mm -hmm. and taking away other options at the same time. Yeah. And so there it's complicated and it's convoluted and kidnapping is simple. We like it because it's easy. Yeah. I, I love what you just said. And I, I want all of us, like as listeners and our people who are new to this or who've been in it for a long time, it's easy to have compassion on those that we feel like they didn't have a choice. But when we look at them and we think, Oh, it was your choices that got you there. It's harder to have compassion. And we know human trafficking is a brutal, brutal crime. I mean, the stories that we hear, uh, yeah, most of us don't repeat most of the stories or we right. give watered down versions. I've heard cops say, uh, in fact, it was uh, Sergeant John Wall, who's now with TABC and has worked alongside us a long time. He said, it's the most brutal crime I've ever worked in. Yeah. And so for us to often lend compassion and helping hand quickly to those that we feel like we're snatched into it versus sitting and understanding how people get groomed and pushed into it. Right. There's a big difference in that and how we view even just humanity and how we pass judgment on people. You know, there's lessons for that to be learned in all aspects of life. So I appreciate you drawing attention even to that part. Talk to me a little bit about if we think it's kidnapping versus being groomed, how do you think that changes the programs that we build and how we respond to people in this situation? Yeah. You know, in my work with young people, I do a lot of education with parents, with professionals and with youth. And so I'm, I'm hearing from all of these different audiences and a lot of the young people that I'm working with, you know, come in and they, they know about trafficking. Mm -hmm. They know to watch out for creepers online. Um, you know, they kind of get this like, fear mongering narrative sometimes from adults of like the world's so scary, watch out. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I get it, but I'm navigating this world, not you. So, um, you know, that they, they kind of, they kind of know what they're looking out for. But the problem is, is that when you start digging in, 
they've got the stranger danger message down. Mm -hmm. They know, you know, not to add creepy Joe one-on-one on Instagram. Right. Like they, they know to, you know, look out for the person that's driving by in a van or whatever, but they never think it's going to be their friend. Right. It's like, it's the pastor. It's the coach. Yes. It's yeah. Like the 20 year old guy that wants to date your 15 year old daughter, but the 15 year old isn't telling the parents. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so they get in these situations where it's like, this isn't a stranger. They're my friend. Right. Whether I've been talking to them online for three months or mm. I met them through my cousin or they're a kid at my school mm. or they're at my church, you know, they're, they're connected somehow. And so the reason that it's so dangerous for us to be perpetuating these narratives is that as an educator, I come in to talk about trafficking and these kids have already written me off because they think they get it. Right. And so I'm like, no, just because aunt so-and-so shared that post on Facebook doesn't mean that you now know what trafficking is. That's actually not what trafficking is. And you are more at danger now because you think you know, and you actually don't. Right. And so from a, from a youth perspective, I have to help them unpack the real danger behind trafficking, which is harder when they have a preconceived idea of what trafficking is. Mm. Um, it's easier to kind of come with a clean slate right? Um, or to come in with more information than to come in with something different than they've already been taught. Right. So that's one of the dangers and the reasons that we have to really shape our education. Obviously, if you're providing education – to prevent an issue, you want to be providing the right information. <laughs> yes. You know, <laughs> Ideally. Um, so that's why it's so important. And we're going to talk about this over and over today is like, you, we have to be survivor informed, right? It's the, the people that lived it need to be the people that are telling us what they need, mm-hmm. what would have helped them, what they needed to know, what mm-hmm. we need to be teaching other people. Cause if we come with our own ideas, we're educating on a completely different issue. Right. And to be perfectly clear, um, for those who are listening, the idea of a survivor-informed approach is a pretty new phenomenon in this movement. I mean, we've only been having this discussion for a few years. Right. We all kind of came in guns blazing, like we're going to rescue everybody. We're going to yeah. snatch them and get them yeah. out. And it took a long time for us to sit down and be like, oh, maybe we should talk to survivors yeah. and hear what they have to say <laughs> and really what would have worked for them, you know? Yeah. And so that's a new concept for us going in. And communicating their stories. Yes. And one that we're still now having to teach the public is this Trump, is this survivor informed? I mean, I think that's a very new phrase, even for people not in this, right. in this area. Right. Let's talk a little bit about conspiracies, um, specifically um, Hollywood and the political realm. There's been so much talk about how different groups, high profile groups are involved in human trafficking. What are some of your thoughts around that and the potential pitfalls for that? Yeah, those stories are, are terrifying and shocking and heart-wrenching and they seem really big. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, and we talked about this the other day too, like I, it would be just as, as prideful and maybe as bold to say that those things absolutely are 100% false. Right. As it would be for me to say these things are absolutely 100% true. Right. Um, and so when I'm coming into it, I don't feel like I have a place to, to pass judgment on the whole enchilada, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, but what I can do is I can say, I haven't heard a single survivor tell me that kind of story. Right. I haven't, I personally have not heard a story mm-hmm. of someone who was trafficked 
in these big rings. And even in the you know, instance of Jeffrey Epstein, high profile cases, but very typical situations yes. of young at risk in need young women mm-hmm. who were recruited by their friends. Right. So even that is not this, you know, mystical scenario that just seems like it came out of a movie. Mm-hmm. I and mean, it really could be anybody. And the only reason it caught so much attention was because it did have high profile people. Right. But that instance of, Hey, I'm going to pay you for this because you need money. Now go bring me more girls. That can happen with a Joe Blow on the street. Right. You know? So even that case to me isn't so conspiracy theory esque as some of the others. Again, if I'm going to, if I have a limited amount of capacity to fight human trafficking, I'm not going to aim any of it at those giant things right. because I can't do anything about those. Mm-hmm. They're, they really kind of render me helpless. And I'm not hearing survivors say that that was their experience. Right. So if it is that, okay. If it's not that, okay. But I do know for a fact that there are a myriad of other ways that trafficking can and is happening right now in my community. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to engage with that conversation. And I think that's such a good point because, you know, working for UHT, I have people come up to me all the time and they want to talk about all of the different conspiracy theories going on. And my point is the same as you. It's like, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't live in Hollywood. I don't have dinner with politicians in DC at night. Like I'm not invited to those kind of parties. Right. But I know trafficking is a worldwide problem. It's huge. It's happening on every single level. So is it happening in higher level society too? Absolutely. The details of it, I don't know how it works, but the danger is when we think, okay, we've uncovered this massive conspiracy. We're going to send in law enforcement. They're going to dismantle this and human trafficking, especially, especially related to child human trafficking, because nobody's concerned in those instances of labor trafficking. It's mostly just children and women. Right. Um, then it's going to be all over and it's going to be fine. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share these posts on social media and other people are going to hear about it and law enforcement's going to go take care of it. And I'm good. Like I've done my part where in reality, we live in Houston. We have estimated 300 brothels in Houston, which is kind of a conservative estimate to be honest, <laughs> but we have 300, like these are not Hollywood elitists coming to Houston and using our brothels. These are the men that we live around every single day. We know that there's a low estimate of 234,000 labor trafficking victims in Texas. We know that they are, you know, at our construction sites, they are domestic servants in private homes. They're working Mm -hmm. in our nail salons. Like when we, in my opinion, when we're focusing so heavily on what people outside our realm of influence are doing, we completely lose touch Mm -hmm. to our own realm of influence and what we can do for all of those that are around us. Yeah, And You know, so for me, yeah, it might be real, but like you said, I'm in this industry. Like this is my job. I still can't do a thing about that. Right. But what can I affect? So I know that you and I have spoken even just the responsibility of media and organizations and what they portray on social media. What are the kind of things that you see that you're like, yes, that's right. And what are the kind of like specific things that you see that you're like, no, not that again. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, so in, I'll kind of split that in two. So for the, the general media, whether that's, you know, what we're posting on social media, what news, um, organizations are coming out with, mm-hmm. you know, it's really important that those things are survivor informed right. and are mirroring the narrative that we're hearing from survivors themselves. Mm-hmm. And so when we have a situation where we're really focused on, like you said, these big conspiracy theories that we don't have any way of proving, mm-hmm. um, then it's not only is it not helpful, but it's distracting to the problem that we do know exists. Mm-hmm. It's perpetuating potential misinformation and helping people think I'm safe from trafficking because I'm safe from this. Right. When that is a tiny portion of what trafficking is in a mm-hmm. whole. Um, and so those posts, those media stories that focus on trafficking on specifically sex trafficking that happens when someone is kidnapped or abducted. Right locked in a room, chained to a bed. Um, that used to be our favorite imagery, chains around people. Well, I'm going to get that in a second. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Um, yeah. So those types of things are just not helpful. Mm-hmm, right. They're not helpful. Um, again, because survivors are telling us that's not how it happens. Right. Um, and so I think from, you know, from a media standpoint, I would just, I would love to see media really pursue stories, mm-hmm. um, that really are around, you know, not sensationalized stories because it could happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. If you are caught in the right moment, mm-hmm. if you have vulnerabilities, which every human does, right. um, and if you've made a mistake, which all humans do, mm-hmm. you know, but the difference between me making a mistake and a victim of trafficking is that I made a mistake and no one was there to take advantage of that. Right. But a victim of trafficking was handed the mistake mm-hmm. to every other choice taken away. They took that choice that was given to them and then they were exploited for it. Right. And so that's what I would love to see media really taking a hold of is moving from this victim blaming approach and only focusing on stories where there is no victim blaming possible right? to then go, okay, I'm going to focus on these stories where there's an abuser who's been manipulative from day one. Right. So I think, I think those, whether that's on social media, whether that's the news outlet, I think those are really important. Um, from an organization standpoint, um, we have a responsibility We do because we are representing people. Mm-hmm. We are not representing a cause. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are representing humans. Oh, say it again. That is good. We are not here <laughs> to represent a cause. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're here to represent humans. Mm-hmm. And as such, our responsibility is to represent those humans well. Mm-hmm. So if I am presenting the people that I'm serving in a way that is not an accurate portrayal of who they are and what their situation is like, I'm not really serving them. Right. And if I'm reflecting a group of people, um, especially that are helpless, that are weak, that are, um, broken, Mm -hmm. then I'm kind of setting myself up to look like the savior. Right. Which we are not. We're not. Um, and survivors have told us, Mm -hmm. You are not. Please stop pretending that you are. Right. They have. (laughs) We're thankful for you, Uh but you ain't it. And so I think, you know, again, one, we have a responsibility to accurately represent this population that we are privileged to serve. Mm -hmm. These people that have undergone excruciating abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, 
experiences that nobody deserves. Right. Um, and yet these are people with dreams, talent, intelligence, potential, mm-hmm. compassion, mm-hmm. empathy, kindness, joy. Mm-hmm. They are not just a victim of trafficking. They're a full person. Yes. And this happened to them. Mm-hmm. And so if we are in our, in the images that we use, in the way that we speak, in the way that we talk about trafficking, if we are portraying them as helpless, mm-hmm. we're not accurately portraying them, but also we are really reinforcing a narrative that they are trying desperately to avoid. Oftentimes the reason that victim blaming from the outside is so important that we watch out for is because that's what's happening in the life. Mm -hmm. Their traffickers telling them you belong here and their own brain, the way that humans cope with inexplicable trauma or grief or situations where you feel like you are so out of control is to find ways to get in control Mm -hmm. again. So again, you're in this life that you didn't sign up for that you didn't ask for. Now you're stuck here And then you begin to make choices Mm -hmm. in that life, you know, in that realm of what you've been offered Mm -hmm. to give you some kind of semblance of control back. And so then as an outside organization to offer you help when you've done everything possible to regain control and to tell yourself that you're not out of control Mm -hmm. and I'm here to help you, but I'm here to say, actually, you have no control and you need me to help you. Right. I'm not doing them any favors and it's a major turnoff because they're like, you're just telling me the same thing my trafficker tells me. Right. And I know that I'm the one doing this and I'm the one surviving. Right. So we have to honor their strength. Mm -hmm. We have to honor their dignity. We have to honor their control. And so as Unbound, we have really strict policies on the images that we use, Mm -hmm. the language that we use. Um, we're not going to show people in duct tape and chains. Not only is because that's really how people are controlled, um, but nobody wants to be portrayed that way. Right. You know, so we want people to trust us when we come and we offer to help them. We want them to look at everything we are, everything we stand for and say, you represent me well. When mm-hmm. I see your images, when I see your social media, when I go to your website, I see like I could be a whole person. Right. You're portraying me as a human with dreams. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to be. You're not portraying me as what happened to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. I think that's beautiful. And we've heard, to add to what you're saying, we've heard so many survivors, the trauma that comes with seeing themselves portrayed in their weakest moments or their most <gasps> vulnerable yeah. moments. And in their mind, they're constantly having to essentially rework how they view themselves. I'm strong enough. This is not who I am. I'm strong enough to build a new life, right. to have all this, right. a new way of living, to then continuously be brought back to their weakest moment. It's, it does it just, just justice to their own self-talk and how right. they view themselves. Right. And again, that goes back to what traffickers do. Yeah. You are weak. This is all you will ever be. You need somebody else. And mm-hmm. so we have to show them in the positive light of, them rebuilding their lives, them laughing, them working hard, all of these things yeah. that are more accurate of right. who they are as humans, which I love that you guys have taken such an ethical approach to the way you guys use media. I know that's really important um, to us as well, because we don't ever want a survivor, a, a client of ours getting on there on our social media page and saying like, 
what is this? Like, that's not who I am. Right. Like, yes, it is. <laughs> I'm serving you. Yeah. Don't say anything about it. <laughs> like That right. does put us back into that role of just being the savior, which is not serving them in the least. Right. So as we wrap up, um, we love to offer just tangible ways that our listeners can engage in the fight. Um, we call it our I dare you moment. Yeah. What are some of the things that you would challenge our listeners to do, especially when it comes to social media and how they engage? Yeah. So I kind of coined this little phrase, survivors over social media. And so as you know, we're watching this summer unfold with all of these conspiracy theories and stories and all these things happening. I was just so brokenhearted because mm-hmm. I'm like, you're expending so much energy and the, the world is getting behind these narratives when there are survivors willing to share their story, but no one is sharing their posts. Like we're, right. we're sharing some stat that is, you know, some image that's super engaging, but it's not an actual representation. So find survivor leaders, you know, as organizations, mm-hmm. we have to be really cautious about sharing our clients stories. Right. And so it is a rare gift and mm-hmm. one not to be taken lightly mm-hmm. when a survivor is in a place where they're willing to share their own story. Yes. And so when they are, please listen. Mm-hmm. When, you know, a survivor has stepped up to that role of leader and is willing to let their story be out on display, that is a gift. Mm-hmm. So a handful, uh, Rebecca Bender, her Instagram handle is I am Rebecca Bender. She did an amazing series during the summer kind of truth versus myth series, Mm -hmm. but she shares a ton of information on Instagram, on her website. She's amazing. Um, Becca Charleston, her Instagram handle is um, Becca speaks out. And she also, she is a friend of um, Rebecca Benders and they both work together and she does a lot of work as well. Our own Catherine uh, Givens, um, her Instagram is Kat Givens and she's just an amazing voice mm-hmm. in this movement as well. She's she a, a Houston girl and we love her. Um, so those are just three leaders that I specifically got permission to share their names today. Yes. They're like, yes, please. Thank you. We <laughs> would love to have people come follow. So those are just three of, of several and I could go on and on mm-hmm. survivors that are sharing their story. So one actively look for and follow and share their information. Secondly, I would just say, you know, as you are scrolling and seeing different posts, before you click that share button and before you engage in a post, um, just check, you know, check your facts, check your sources. Does this look like a scenario that is realistic or does this kind of look a little bit like a hyperbolic, you know, kind of fear mongering situation? And, you know, if it involves something like kidnapping or where there is not proof of trafficking, which is when someone is forced, lied to, or blackmailed or coerced into providing a labor or a service or commercial sex. Mm-hmm. So again, the, the creepy guys in the store parking lot, if you don't have a clear tie to trafficking, I wouldn't draw, I wouldn't make that conclusion. Yes. And then I, I always love to just point out that trafficking is the last train stop on a long train of exploitation. And we, we care about human trafficking and rightly so, because it's kind of the last stop that we have language for mm-hmm. um, the last situation that we kind of have a verbiage around, but you go up five, six stops back and we're talking neglect and abuse and poverty and need. And so let's engage as a community up there. 
So anywhere that you are serving someone's vulnerability, whether you are mentoring a kid, volunteering at a food bank, working in anything that involves poverty or youth or homelessness or what, you know, whatever, just in being a good friend. Right. It's really simple. Right. Being a support system yes. for somebody, those things shouldn't be taken lightly because they do make a big difference. And so I think that's the importance of like we were talking about when we hear about conspiracy theories, it's so out there. Mm-hmm. When we're willing to say that it's happening in our own communities, we have to go, okay, well then how am I engaging right. my community? And those are just really simple ways that you can do that actually will make a difference. I love all of that. Such incredibly helpful information. Krista, thank you for your wealth of knowledge and everything that you say. I feel like you just dropped truth bombs through this whole entire podcast. I'm just so excited about. So thank you for being here with us. Yeah. Um, Thanks for having me. Yes. I loved it. (laughs) Thank you for listening to I Dare You. We'd love to hear from you. And if you've completed one of our dares or have a suggestion for future episodes, or just want to learn how to further engage in ending trafficking. You can find us on all major social media platforms or feel free to shoot us an email at podcast at uht.org.